you so much for joining us at Remnant Church Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more or support this ministry, please go to remnantchurch.church. And now, the message from Pastor Caleb. Go ahead, keep on clapping, and I'm thankful for all of you that came today. God bless you. Today i got a task now. I've got to share a vision with you today. I'm casting vision today, and then I've got a message I am going to preach. My key is i got to preach before you get done, before you get done. So, let's just jump on into this thing. The Bible says, without a vision, the people perish. And you don't get nowhere you want to go usually by accident. You have to have a plan, you have to be purposed, and you need vision. And so I know if we just go and operate by accident and not on purpose, we'll probably not get to where we want to be. But today, I want to cast vision with you. Say, Pastor, how can, huh? Pastor, uh, did you say, <laughs> did some of y'all say, Pastor? Uh, I thought I heard that echo, and I, no, excuse me, uh, uh, this is a rhetorical question. I'm, you say, Pastor, no, don't say it, don't say it. <laughs> what gives you the right, or, I mean, how can you cast vision, and, well, that's simple, because God's put me in this place to be your pastor, and this is how he does things, and as the leader of this house, it's my job, my responsibility to let you know where we're going. And uh, so that's what I'm going to do. And I, I didn't fabricate this, come up with this on my own. I've spent time with God, seeking the face of God, trying to get direction from God. And a lot of, the, a lot of what I'm going to tell you isn't something new. You, you're not, because God gave us this vision and this mission in 2015 before many of you were ever here. You, never, you didn't know anything about Remnant Church. A lot of you weren't even, didn't even have a relationship with Jesus at that time. And so this isn't going to be something brand new. Why fix something that's not broke? Why change something that God hasn't changed? Why turn the lights off when I'm preaching? <laughs> Y'all are doing a good job back there. Keep it up. Let me share the vision with you today. They're going to put it on the screen with me for you. Here's the vision. Remnant Church is a movement for all people to find a thriving, life-changing relationship with Christ. That's first and foremost. We want you to have a relationship with Christ. This isn't new. We want you to have a relationship with each other. Why? Because the Bible said they will know, the world will know that we are the disciples of Jesus for the love that we have for one another. Do you love the person standing, sitting beside you? In this church, I love this church. You know, I love this church because this church is made up of all kind of people. We have doctors in this church. We have business leaders in this church. Business owners in this church. We have people running for sheriff, running from the sheriff in this church. All types of walks of life. And I love that. You know why? Because that's what heaven's going to look like. Different colors, different nationalities, different cultures. I love that. You know why? Because that's what heaven's going to look like. 
And so I love this church. And I love this church because we go after everybody. We're not looking for, you know what kind of group of people we're looking for? Those with a pulse. Those that are living. Those that are breathing. Because if you have a pulse, we believe God's got a plan. God's got a purpose for your life. And your purpose doesn't start until, until you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Relationship with each other. They'll know, the world will know that we're the disciples for the love that we have for one another and with our community. I remember when the, act, when the, when the Holy Spirit fell upon those in the upper room in Acts chapter 2. Read it one day. It's good reading. Acts chapter 2. You know what happened? After they were filled with the Holy Spirit, you know what they done? They didn't stay inside the church. You know what they done? Are you listening? They went right outside the church and they began to minister to the people. They began to preach to the people. Peter began to preach to the people. And you know what happened? Thousands of people got saved that day. And the crazy thing about it, it didn't stop there. You know what happened? Every day, the number of those who were being saved were added. Every day. Every day. And guess what? We're fixing to walk in that again. Because that wasn't just for 2,000 years ago. That was for today. Our mission is this. which That leads me to the, the, the mission. This is it. We preach one message. Don't come in here trying to change what I preach. I know what God's called me to do. I know what kind of church God's called us to be. Many churches are in identity crises. They don't know who they are. They don't know the mandate from heaven that's on their house. I do. I want you to come here, but you can't change my mind. I'm not going to be who you want me to be unless who you want me to be is who God wants me to be. We're not going to be the church that you want unless you want the church that God wants us to be. If you want, the ch you want a church like this that God wants us to be and that's cool with you, then that's cool with me and I want you to be here. But don't think for a minute you can change the vision and the mission of this house because you can't. Because you didn't give it. God did. And it's simple. We preach one message. Anybody know that message? Jesus. We preach one message. We're building one kingdom. Anybody want to know whose kingdom that is? It's not mine. It's not Remnant Church. It's his kingdom. How do we do this? By living this gospel. By living. By loving. And by serving. Like who? Like Jesus. If you don't understand, this thing is centered around Jesus. Focused around Jesus. Built upon Jesus. Why? Because the Bible says where he is lifted up, where he's sung about, where he's talked about, where he's preached about, he will draw all men unto himself. That's who we are. That's who we've been. I, I've got this on a, I got a, I got a desk somewhere. My office has been dissembled. It's, it's, it's in a, somewhere, I don't even know where it's, I think it's at Lewis's house. But in that desk, I had to give it up for room. You know why? Because we needed more room for our children. Ain't that amazing? Ain't that wonderful? Not the only one. Pastor Sam doesn't have an office either. Just you come in the, during the day and we're just everywhere. We're hiding in the shadows. Um, but in that, on the right, on the right side, down at the very bottom, I got a crumpled up sheet of paper. This is back before I had a Mac, Apple computer. I typed this on Windows. No secretary, no administrative assistance, no staff. Didn't hardly have any people. But I had a relationship with Jesus. 
And God began to drop something down in my spirit, and I typed it out. And it was this vision, it was this mission, and it hasn't changed. This is who God's called us to be. This is what God's called us to do. Plunder hell and populate heaven. Hear me now. I'm going to throw some goals at you. I'm going to throw you some goals. This is what we're going to do this year. You ready? It's big. Can you, can you believe for big things? Do you serve a big God? If you serve a God, big God, you can know you can ask big and believe big. We're believing this is the year of a thousand. I believe we're going to see a thousand salvations this year. Remnant Church. One thousand. Somebody say that with me. One thousand. Let it. Just let's say one thousand. I'll say it again. One thousand. I believe we're going to see a thousand people saved this year. We're on a good start. We're in a good. We're 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 on a, we're on a good start uh, because uh, this past month, forty-seven people have said yes to Jesus. Forty-seven. We're believing for a thousand salvations. That's not just in this building, but that's through the ministries of Remnant Church. And I'll tell you about that in just a minute. A thousand salvations. We're believing for 500 baptisms, 500 people to go to ne- take the next step and, 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 and get baptized. You say, well, I don't know, is baptism a big deal? I think so. Jesus got baptized. I think baptism is a big deal. You know why I think it's a big deal? Because I think it tells Satan, the devil, demons, everybody. It tells the world. It tells the church. It, it says, this is, this is who I am now. I used to be one way, but I'm not that way anymore. I used to be lost, but now I'm found. And it's, it's a testimony. You say, well, is that important? I think it is. The Bible says you're an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. And I can't think of a greater testimony than to get all your friends, all your family here, do it in front of everybody and say, I went down one way one day, but I came out the, ne- the next one day. Blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm trying to say. I went down one way, I come up changed. It's an outward expression of what Jesus has done on the inside. I'm believing for a thousand salvations, 500 baptisms. Listen, that don't happen by accident. Did you know we're, you know what kind of church we are? I know we're a Jesus church, but you know what kind of church we are? We are an evangelical church. So you'll, you'll, you'll get that mixed up today and you'll go to lunch and you'll tell people, you know what kind of church we are? We're an Episcopalian church. That's not what I said. An evangelical church, an evangelical church. You know what that means? We're a church that believes in evangelism. We believe this gospel is for everybody. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So we're not going to waste our time holding this gospel in. We're going to tell everybody about Jesus. Because we believe Jesus wants to save everybody. We believe it's his will that no man should perish. And the word evangelize means compel people. Zealously compel people. And I want to tell you, we should be a church that is zealously compelling people. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not, well, I'm just going to live it out in front of them. Well, that's not exactly what the Bible said. You should do that. You should live that way. But you've got to open up your mouth and tell them about Jesus. Y'all all right in this corner? I said you've got to tell them about Jesus. You got to open up your mouth and say, hey, uh, you don't, you say, well, I don't know if I know enough scripture. Your life is a scripture, baby. Your life is a scripture. You can tell them this. Listen, I don't know all about it. I don't know everything. I preached on this this Wednesday night, but this one thing I do know. I was lost, but now I'm found. I know one thing. I used to be an addict. I'm no longer an addict anymore. I used to be living in turmoil, but I got peace that passes all understanding now. I don't get it all, but all I know is one day I hit my knee, and when I got up, I wasn't who I used And I think if he'll do it for me, he'll do it for you. Come on, somebody. Won't you come to church with me? Yeah, that's all it is. You would be amazed at what happens. 
when you start talking about Jesus. 1,000 salvations, 500 baptisms, 750 people. Listen, we've been at this month, we have finally broke through that, the, the COVID stuff. And coming out this year, uh, we've, we've uh, averaged 500, 580-something people this month. But I'm believing God by the end of May. I, I had said by the end of the year, but I'm believing by the end of May when school that's out for summer. By the end of May, we're going to have 750 people in attendance here every Sunday. Can you believe that? I see some of your butts really tight right now when I say that. Because you're saying, uh-oh, this pastor is about numbers. Let me clarify something real quick. Are y'all listening so you can tweet this, text it, face, whatever you want to do. Put it on Facebook. Get it, get it, get it. Don't miss, don't miss Hear me, don't misinterpret what I'm about to say. I am about numbers. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Why? Because heaven's about numbers. The Bible said, you know, let me tell you how crazy heaven is and how crazy Jesus is about numbers. He said, when one soul comes into the kingdom of one, there's seven billion people on, the, on this planet. One soul comes into the kingdom of God, all heaven throws a party. Come on, somebody. One. One. Just one. Jesus said, Jesus said this, I'll leave the 99 to go after how many? One. Don't tell me this kingdom ain't about numbers. Don't tell me the gospel isn't about numbers. It is definitely about numbers. And I want to go after one, 100, 1,000, 1 million, whoever will listen and hear the gospel and say yes. Yeah. So I'm definitely about numbers. I can preach to that seat all day long, and that seat is not going to get saved because that, that seat doesn't have a soul. But if you can get a butt in the seat, every butt's got a soul, and every soul needs to be saved. Say amen. It's just simple. That's simple. Now, I went to Wakona. I met my uh, PE teacher today. I haven't seen her in a long time. And I've changed, but she looks the same. She said, I rem she said, you were, she said something like, you were little. And some guy beside me said, Pastor, you were little? I said, shut up. She meant small. She meant short. I ain't always, I ain't always been this tall, but I've always been this wide. Somebody say amen. Seven hundred and fifty people in attendance by the end of the year. That's one hundred and seventy more than what we've got right now. One hundred and seventy more than we've got right now. Twenty-five healthy R groups. R groups are discipleship. I'm going to break this thing down. It's all about evangelism and discipleship. You know why? Because that's what God's about. <laughs> evangelism and discipleship. Evangelism and discipleship. So we're going to be we're going to focus on evangelism and discipleship. Right now we've got ten men groups that are meeting every week. That Praise God. Come on, give God praise for that. If you're a man and you haven't joined a discipleship group, you need to. You need to be discipled. And you'll never graduate from discipleship. you never graduate from discipleship. So we've got 10 groups. We're looking to add some more. Our women, I was incorrect today, earlier in the 9 o'clock service, I said five. We've got seven 
women groups that are about to kick off. Amen. <laughs> We've got our New Believers small group, and I'm going to talk more about that. We've got several groups that are about to kick off, uh, family groups, mixed groups. These are groups that focus on discipleship. Learning who you are now as a Christ follower. Our goal is 25, and we're well on the way. This year, we want to have at least 250 people serving in the ministry. I preached a whole series before we moved into this building. You remember it? That's why people have the, sh the shirts on, saved people, serve people, about serving and how important it is. We've seen people step up, and more people are serving now, but we're believing by the end of the year, we're going to have at least 250 people serving. You know why? Because serving is just as important as reading your word. Faith without works is dead. Know all the scripture, live none of it, it does you no good. Saved people serve people. And so we're going to serve people. And, and let me tell you something, this is a great place to serve people because this is not picking up trash on the side of the road. That's noble, that's great, that's wonderful. But what we're dealing with, what we're dealing with is souls. I got to go on. 250 serving by the end of the year. These are big numbers. These are big goals. But we serve a big God. Does anybody believe we're going to crush these numbers? Do you believe we're going to, through the help of Jesus Christ, we're going to. Let me talk about some big events. Let me talk about some big, I promise I'm about to preach. Big events. Big events. The first big event is the move. The move, March 17th. Anybody know about the move? Anybody heard about the move? Raise your hand if you know about the move. That's terrible. If you know about the move, raise your hand. Okay, just making sure what I was. I got to the wrong church today. The move. What is the move? Well, let me tell you, we weren't able to do it last year, but the year before, uh, the move was an amazing experience. In fact, many people are here in today as a result of the move. The services we had in the move, their lives were changed. Hey, Elizabeth, I see you there clapping. Many people are leaders today as a result of their lives being changed at the move. The move is a place uh, is a move is an evangelistic event that we put on, Remnant Church puts on, but it's not about Remnant Church, it's about Jesus. And we have it at the, a place called the Okefenokee Holiness Camp, which is a place, it's just an outdoor tabernacle, it's close to the river, and we had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people come, the four, uh, four nights, uh, three nights, come and uh, people were saved. I mean, when we gave the altar calls, people were running to the altar. It was amazing. If you weren't there, you should have been there. It was amazing. So many, I think we had like 80 people give their life to Jesus Christ there at the move in those three nights. People were filled with the Holy Spirit. People were healed. Um, uh, Amber's son, he was healed at the move. Had to have open, he was going to have to have open heart surgery. And um, when they got in, and I may mix, mess some of this up, but when they got in to check, they said, no need to do the surgery, right? Ain't that right? No need to do the surgery. God done that at the move. God done that at the move. Twelve years old, something like that. How, how old? Twelve? Twelve years old. Miracles. This year it's going to be better than ever. What I love about the move too is during the day we go out and we knock on doors and we share the gospel with people. 
We see people in parking lots. We, we canvass this whole community, and we share the love of Jesus. We pray for the sick, and we invite people, hey, after they get healed or after they're ministered to, we say, hey, we want you to come to a Jesus meeting. Not a remnant meeting, a Jesus meeting. You come to this Jesus meeting, it's at this place, here's the address, we'll meet you there. It's beautiful, it's wonderful, it's coming up March the 17th. March the 17th through um, the 19th. And so I want you to go ahead and put that on your calendar. That's our one, one of our big events. Number two, all this is evangelistic. Number two, Easter. Easter's coming up. Easter's April the 9th. Good Friday. We have a service on Good Friday. We have a service on Easter. I'm believing that we're going to have over 1,000 people on that weekend here at Remnant Church. I'm believing it. What I am Also, what I'm believing is we're going to knock out a, bunch of, a big chunk of that 1,000 of souls that we're going to see saved on Easter weekend. Amen. We're also going to be prepared and ready with our discipleship. So when these people get saved, we do what God called us to do, make disciples after they give their life to Christ. So that's Easter, April, April the 9th. Good Friday, we'll have two services on that Sunday. Then Revive Nights. Revive Nights is September the 6th and the 10th, through the 10th. This is this are nights of refreshing, revive, reviving, revival. This is what's going to launch us into the last part of the year. This is going to be an outpouring of God's Spirit. I'm praying about it. We're praying about it. We're seeking the face of God, and we're believing God to do some amazing things. Or that healing, deliverance, salvations, you, you name it. Whatever God can do, he's going to do it, I believe. I believe I believe if we believe, God's going to do it. Amen? And so it's, a big, it's going to be a big weekend. It'll be Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night. We have never had a series of services that we would call a revival here. We've been in revival. That's the thing. We've been in revival. We've, I heard somebody say we've constantly been in revival. But we're going to have a night where we focus, we believe, a weekend. Uh, Wednesday through Sunday, where we're going to see God move in a mighty way. I'm telling you, I want you to be praying about that. That's our Revive Nights. And then our last event, we're going to have other things, but this is the last event, the Christmas experience, December 15th and 17th. This is the night of evangelism. Anybody remember the Christmas experience a couple months ago? Wasn't it awesome? Amen? It was amazing. So we're going to bring people in with an emphasis on where they're going to come in around Christmas center in around Christmas, but we're going to preach the gospel of Jesus to them. It's going to be powerful. December 15th and 17th, this place was packed out. One night, we didn't have enough room, so we're doing it two nights this coming year. And then this is very important to me when it comes to discipleship. I've been doing a class every Monday night at 7 o'clock for six years. It's called New Believers. When people get saved, we want them to go to new believers. When people are born again, we want them to go to new believers. It is so important. And this is why. Because people who get born again and they go to new believers, they stick. They, decide, they, they, they begin that discipleship process and they continue to be discipled. And they begin to serve. And they begin to lead their families to Jesus. But those people who get born again, saved, and do not take that next step to discipleship, a lot of times you don't ever see them again. The statistics are staggering. Some of, most, uh, most of our leaders in this church have got saved and are going, went through New Believer Small Group. It's so important, church. We have to create a discipleship culture that starts with New Believers getting plugged into our New Believers Small Group. And this must be the part, this must be a part of the DNA of our church. Who has heard of New Believers? Who has heard of New Believers Small Group? Have you heard me mention that? Heard me talk about that? Absolutely. The Bible tells us to, 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 to preach the gospel. We know that. But the Bible also commands us to make disciples. 
I want to ask you right now, is everybody listening? If you're born again, who are you discipling? Who right now are you pouring into? Well, I'm too old to do that. No, you're just right. God has called us to make disciples. Whose job is it? It's our job. Our job. Our job. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's our job to make disciples. To teach people. If you are born again, if you're saved, to help make another disciple. That's what God's called us to do. This is how you do it. You want me to show you a practical way to do it? Someone gets saved today. Someone's born again today. If we believe salvation is the greatest miracle, we treat it like the greatest miracle. And so when people are getting up here, you know, just the other day we had this whole altar full of people giving their life to Christ. Can I tell you something? This, that, that ought to make you forget about lunch. When you see people giving their life to the Lord, that ought to make you forget about lunch. Let me ask you something. If, if, a, if, a, uh, if, a, if a paralyzed man came through these doors, he's in a wheelchair, he's totally paralyzed, he came down to this altar, someone laid their hands on him and said, Jesus, I'm asking you to heal this man, and he was healed, and he jumped up out of the wheelchair. He couldn't use his arms, he couldn't use his legs, he couldn't even hold his head up. But God touches him, and he stands up out of that wheelchair. Let me ask you something. Would you be worried about what's on the buffet at BMAX? No, I know what you would be doing. You'd be hanging around. You'd come up here. You'd say, hey, lift your, lift your hand. Let me see it. Hey, would you skip across here? Let me see. Hey, do you mind taking a selfie with me real quick? It would be a big deal, would it not? Let me tell you something. I seen 14 miracles greater than that the other day right here at this altar because God God can heal a man who's paralyzed and he can walk again or he can walk right into hell but when God changes the heart changes, changes the heart of a man nobody can do that only he can do that and that is the greatest miracle of all. And if that's the case, then let me tell you what would be real applicable, practical to do. When you see someone give their life to Christ, don't run out the door. When you see someone give their life to Christ, why don't you run to them and say something like this. Hey, on Monday nights we've got new believers. It starts at 7 o'clock. And I know it can be weird to go in somewhere by yourself, you know, for the first time. So, hey, I'll go with you. I'll go with you. I'll meet you there. And, uh, and we'll go together. And you won't have to be worried. Hey, my name is so-and-so. Good to meet you. I'll see you there at 7 o'clock. Hey, I tell you what, I'll meet you in the parking lot. You say, well, I don't have time. you got to make time. See, you can make excuses all day long, but you need to quit making excuses. And you need to make adjustments and you need to be about the kingdom of God because God has called us to make disciples. God has called us to touch the world from Waycross. Back there to that desk that's in uh, a metal container. In the bottom of that desk, when the rock sat down at the bottom on that same sheet of paper, you know what I wrote in 2016? God has called us to touch the world from Waycross, Georgia. And he hasn't changed his mind about it. 
You say, well, how could God use, how could God use a church like this in this rural area and little old Waycross? Nothing good could come from Waycross. God ain't never done anything like that before in, in, in a place like this. Let me tell you something. That's what they said about Jesus, too. They said nothing good can come from Nazareth and that Jesus turned the world upside down. Jesus changed the world forever. And God has called us to touch the world from Waycross, Georgia. We're going to be doing that in, in a few locations. We're going to be doing that this year. We're going to Colombia. We've got teams going to Cambodia. We've got teams going to Brazil. We've got teams going to Zambia. And the missions are a little different. They look a little different. But they're all about reaching the lost. What we're doing is not a humanitarian effort. As great as that is, that's wonderful. But can I tell you something? What the world needs more than food is Jesus Christ. Could we give them food? Absolutely. But man doesn't live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Father. So when we go to Colombia, we're going to be preaching the gospel. We're going to have a four-night four night crusade on the, on the border of Venezuela. You can't go into Venezuela and come back. I don't plan on going. I plan on staying on this side of it. But we're going to be on the Venezuelan-Colombia border where there's, a, where there's a border crisis and there's thousands and thousands of people that are hungry and they have no homes and they're living in shacks on the side of the road and we're going to be able to go and pre preach the message of hope, the message of hope to people who are totally hopeless. We're going to have four-night open-air crusades and we're believing for hundreds of people to come to Jesus Christ. And you say, well, what happens when you leave? The beautiful thing about it is we have teamed up with ministries that their primary goal and their primary emphasis is to disciple all of those who get saved. We're going to be going to the most remote parts of the world and on down the Amazon River in Brazil and Cambodia and Zambia where people are not even thought about and locations that are forgotten about and we're going to touch the world from way across Georgia and some of those thousands of, thousand of souls that we're talking about they'll be in Cambodia, they'll be in Colombia, they'll be in Brazil, they'll be in Zambia, and we're part of that, you're part of that. Then Hope House, anybody remember Hope House? I've had people, I think, well, I don't think, oh, by the way, you don't have to write me any more letters and put it in the offering box back there. Keep your letters to yourself. Christians, talk to people. If you got something you want to say, you say it to me. I don't want another letter in that box. If I watch you drop another letter in that box and I see your fingers and I think it's you, I'm going to break your little fingers off. <laughs> You're going to come back? You're going to come back? I'm going to pray for healing after I break your little fingers. I'm going to pray God to heal your fingers. I have not forgot about Hope House. I promise you. Hope House is something I wake up with on my mind and I go to sleep with on, on, on my mind. My family knows that. Those closest to me know that. But here's the thing. We can't borrow the money to build Hope House. We can't. Not all of it. It's going to cost around four hundred fifty, five hundred thousand. To build Hope House. We have 70,000, a little over that, towards Hope House. 
None of that's been spent. It's all there, and it's going to be used for Hope House. When we bought this land across here, we could have used it because that's going to be where Hope House is, but you know what? We didn't. Remember, we bought that land for from Dr. Singh for $160,000 in a year. You guys paid that off, every bit of it. And that kept us, that kept us all that money that's for, for Hope House to be there just for the building of Hope House. This is what I'm going to do because I have so much pulling on me to make this work and to keep this on the forefront. I'm putting together a team of people, a team of people where they're going to be thinking about Hope House and working Hope House. There are going to be people who are going to be going out in our community and making connections, going out and trying to help fundraise, fundraise ideas for Hope House so that we can get, because it's bigger than me. It's bigger than me. It's bigger than me. And, but with that being said, it's not like we've not been working. We've made a great connection with Shane's crib that's in Jessup, Georgia. If you're familiar with Cheryl Maynor, Jane's on the board. There's a lot of people in this church that have come through uh, Shane's crib and they're living for the Lord. They're living for God. Bree, before Bree was a missionary on her way to uh, Africa, she was a crackhead. And Bree went to Shane's crib. And God done a work in her life there. They do a great job. Well, amen. We've partnered with Shane's crib. Shane's crib is going to help. Well, it's going to be a Shane's crib on the campus of Remnant Church. And they know how to do it. They know what they're doing. They are really good at what they're doing. Do you want me leading a women's facility? I don't think so. They know what they're doing. And they're going to do a great job. I mean, it's going to be a powerful ministry. And we're going to see moms and daughters who are strung out on drugs, who are alcoholics, we're going to see their lives changed by the power of God. They're going to know how to serve God, live for God. It's going to be amazing. And lastly, we're going to, but not least, we're going to relaunch Cover Our City. Cover Our City is where we go out into the streets, we go out into neighborhoods, and we canvas this city. And we share the gospel of Jesus Christ with people. We've been doing this for now three years, but we're going to do it more frequently, and we're going to do it with a greater resolve. The last Saturday of every month, we're going to have Cover Our City. You meet here at the church at 10 o'clock and be ready to go out in teams and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Friend, we don't have to wait till they come here. We can go to them. Do you believe we can do this? I said, do you believe we can do this? All right, I'm going to preach. I'll let you out at 12.30. Okay? Is that good? Luke chapter 5. If you'll listen fast, I'll preach fast. Luke chapter 5. I love this story. Luke chapter 5. Are you there? Matthew, Mark, Luke. They're going to put it on the screen. As the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear God's word, he was standing by Lake Genseray. Excuse me. He saw two boats at the edge of the lake. The fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, which belonged to Simon. And he asked him to put out a little from the land. Then he sat down and was teaching the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Master, Simon replied, 
We've worked hard all night, all day, and caught nothing. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets. When they did this, they caught a great number of fish, and their nets began to tear. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Wow. So here's the, here's the deal. Jesus finds a boat. Jesus wants to preach to a bunch of people. But I think probably the people would have pressed on him and there were so many people. So I think he thought, well, if I get on this boat, pull, off, pull out a little bit, I can stand on the boat and I can preach to the people. Also, I think he understood the fact that your voice magnifies when spoke across water. So he thought, you know, I'll preach, I'll talk to these people, they'll all be able to hear me, they won't be pressing on me, it'll work out good. And so he gets on the boat without asking Peter to use the boat, which I think is funny. He gets on the boat, and then when Peter sees Jesus on the boat, Jesus says, hey, do you mind backing this thing up a little bit, taking it off the shore a little bit, so I can talk to these people? Simon says, Sure. He backs the boat up, ties it off, and then Jesus begins to preach. Verse 4 says, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, that's Peter, to Simon Peter, put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. And then Peter says this, Master, we've worked hard all night long and caught nothing. Here's point number one. Are you ready? I tell you, it's coming fast. Point number one is this. It's one thing to work for God. It's another thing to work with God. Let me say it again. It's one thing to work for God. It's another thing to work with God. You know what I've noticed about people who work for God? They want something in return. God, I worked for you, so do this for me. They want accolades, they want people to see them, and I'm not saying everybody that says that is meaning that, but I want you to talk about the, the, the motive behind this. It's one thing to work for God, it's another thing to work with God. You can work for God and get very tired. You can work for God and not see any results, but if you work with God, if you work with Him, Him working with you, you working with Him, you're going to begin to see some things that you couldn't see in your own strength and power. Listen to this. You don't understand what I'm saying. Listen to this. Don't just do something. Hear me now. Are y'all listening? Don't just do something and ask God to bless it. But find out what God's blessing and do it. You hear what I said? Don't just say, I'm going to do this. I better go out here and do this. And they say, now God bless it. No, 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 no. Find out what God's already said he'll bless. Find out what God is blessing and then do it. That's why this vision I know is from God and it will work because it's discipleship and evangelism. Evangelism and discipleship. This is God's command for the church. So we know if we do this, God will work with us and we'll bring out a a net full. You understand what I'm saying? A net full of fish. It's one thing to work for God. It's another thing to work with God. Let's keep on going. Let's keep on going. Don't leave me. Don't leave me. When he had finished speaking, he said to Peter, put out in the deep water. Let down your nets for a catch. Simon said, we worked hard all night long and caught nothing. Now watch this. But if you say so. That's one of the greatest lines Peter ever had. But if you say so, 
it don't make any sense to me, but if you say so, point number two, here it is. Put it up on the screen, point number two. Supernatural faith doesn't always make natural sense. Somebody say amen. Supernatural faith doesn't always make natural sense. Think about Peter. He's been fishing all night, all night long. He's washing his nets. You know why he's washing his nets? Because he's done. He's ready to go to bed. He'll get up and fish the next, the following night. He's done. And Jesus says, hey, back up some more and throw your nets into the deep water. You know what Peter was probably thinking? Did you not understand I said I've been fishing all night long? You know what else I think Peter might have been thinking? I'm the professional fisherman. Jesus, you're a carpenter. You build tables. I catch fish. By the way, the fish ain't out there in the deep water. The fish are in the shallow water. But if you say so, but if you say so, there's a whole lot I've done just because if you said, well, you said so. Why are you doing that, Pat? Because he said so. I don't understand. I don't know why. I, so I have a hard time even believing it myself. But he said so. Why would I take my family from a church ministry that was thriving and we, had, we, we were doing pretty good? Everything seemed to be going pretty good. And I come to a building that's unforeclosure. It don't make no sense. Come to preach to, a, preach to a church that may not even have a church in a few weeks. It don't make any sense. It don't make, I had all my mentors, all my pastor friends, the people I loved even in my family said, hey, I don't think you should go there. Are you sure you heard from God? That don't make no sense. But if you say so, God. But if you say so. I, I need a few people that's got it down in their spirit. God, it don't make no sense. But if you say so. Hey, hey, listen, listen, listen. What I have found out is, and what I see here, Jesus told Peter where to fish, how to fish, and when to fish. And he, and if you do what he says, guess what? You'll catch what he catches. Jesus said, Peter, you fish where I tell you to fish, how I tell you to fish, when I tell you to fish. And if you do what I say, you'll catch what I catch. Pastor, I don't know why. I don't know why God's calling me to do this. I don't know why God's asking me to do this. It don't even make any sense. I wish God would ask somebody else. I wish God would tell somebody else. Let me tell you something. If he said so, do it. And let me back this up. Let me say this. If he hadn't said nothing, don't do it. I've learned too, if I don't hear the next move, I just sit still. I stay faithful where I'm at. I keep on doing what I know the last thing God told me to do. And I do that. And I do it with joy. And I do it with peace in my heart. And when God wants me to move, I'll move. I found out if I move on my own, I make mistakes. If I move on my own, I screw things up. If I move on my own, sometimes I leave God back in that, back here. 
And I'm trying now not to work with God. I'm working for God. And God said, I'd rather you work for me. Not just for me. I'd rather you work with me. Supernatural faith doesn't always make natural sense. Master Simon replied, we've worked hard all night long, caught nothing. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets. Look at what verse 6 says. And when they did this, they caught a great number of fish. And their nets began to tear. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat, come and help them. Well, glory. You know what I'm doing right now? My boat's sinking. My nets are tearing. You know what I'm asking you to do? Come over and help me. I'm asking Remnant Church and the people of Remnant Church, and some of you ain't even made your minds up yet if you're a part of this church, but I'm talking to you too. I need some help. I need you to come up and help me. I've heard from God, and God said to do this, and this is what we're going to do, and my boat's already beginning to sink. And I'm trying to pull up the nets, and they're beginning to tear. I need some help. Somebody told me after the first service today, Pastor, I don't know if you can use somebody like me. I said, I don't know if I can use somebody like you, but God can use somebody like you. And if God can use you, I can use you. And you can build the kingdom. Well, I got some, I got some things in my life. I've made some mistakes. I said, we all have. But I'm telling you right now, God likes to use people like you. God likes to use people like you. Why? Because you won't steal the glory from him. You'll know, hey, I am nothing without Jesus. I can't do nothing without him. I need Jesus. And if I do anything great for God, it's because God's working great in me. Say amen. begin to pull up the nets and they were full and they signaled to their partners come on come to come in and help me and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink when Simon Peter saw this he fell at Jesus knees and said go away from me because I'm a sinful man Lord what's that about Peter realized this wasn't just a teacher Jesus wasn't just some rabbi. The one that borrowed his boat. The one that told him where to cast his nets. This might be the son of God. The Bible says Peter fell at his feet. He said, I'm not worthy to you, for you to be on my boat or for me to be with you. Let me just leave. Let me get out of here. I'm a sinner. I don't, I, don't even know, I don't even know why you choose to get on my boat. I don't even know why I'm seeing this. He was in awe and in fear of who Jesus was. You know what some of us might have done? Some of us would have wanted to start a conference and a class. Let me tell you how to fish in the deep water. Let me show you my fishing techniques. Not Peter. Peter gets a bad rap all the time because he tried to cut a man's head off. Missed his head and chopped his ear off. Peter gets a bad rap because he 
When times he should have been a fake, sometimes he doubted. Well, ain't all of y'all done that? When I read the story of Peter, it gives me hope. Now, Peter teaches us something right here. This is what he teaches us. God will share his power with us, but not his glory. God will share his power with you, but not his glory. God will use you if he knows when it's all said and done, when you're pulling up the net, that you don't say, look at me and look what I've done. But you say, look what I've done last night and didn't catch a thing. Look what I tried to do on my own and couldn't do nothing. But look what God has done through me and in me. He done it. Jesus done it. God will share his power with you, but he will not share his glory with you. Isaiah chapter 42 verse 8 says, I will not give my glory to another. The Bible says they pulled in the fish. I'm coming to a close. They pulled in the fish. They pulled in the, the uh, they got him in the boat. The boat begins to sink. When Peter saw this, he fell at the feet of Jesus. Go away from me because I'm a sinful man, he said. And then verse 9 says, for he and all those who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish they had taken. You know the only thing I think Peter done wrong in this? He done something wrong. I think he done, if he done something wrong, I'm going to tell you what he did. Peter didn't have enough nets. Because if he had threw a hundred nets out there, he would have pulled out a hundred nets full of fish. The only thing I could fault Peter for, he didn't have enough nets. You ever been fishing with somebody? I'm no fisherman. I don't even like to fish. I like to catch. I don't like to fish. And I'll go with fishermen. I went with some of you. You're fishermen. And I'll watch you. And I'll watch you catching fish. You've done it. You out here, maybe you're not on a boat. Maybe you're walking around the pond somewhere. And they're fishing. You're fishing. You ain't caught nothing. And all, and all of a sudden, you see them. Ooh. Lord, they're tearing it up over here. And you over there on the other side, you got the same pole, the same lure, the same throat. You even imitating the way they got their face. You ain't catching nothing. So what do you do? You, uh, whew, put your stuff up. Huh? You get over there by them, don't you? Well, you know what? You want to fish where they're fishing. Why? Because that's where the fish is biting. That's where they, that's where they, here it goes again. That's where the fish is biting. So you get over there. Start fishing next to them. Getting them all tangled up. All of a sudden you're on top of their, that's just me, that's just me. Get on top of their line. Why? Because the fish are biting. Some of you look at the vision today and you say, Pastor, couldn't you just settle? I mean, my Lord, man. 
Y'all just built a new building. Y'all about got it full this morning. Couldn't you just settle and be satisfied? Take a break? Calm down for a little bit? Ain't no way. Ain't no way I can quit. Ain't no way I can calm down. Ain't no way I can become satisfied. Ain't no way I can become settled. You know why? Because the fish are biting. And I don't know. I don't know when the fish are going to quit biting. I don't know. I ain't, got a, I ain't got a farmer's almanac. I don't know when they started. I don't know when they're quitting. But one thing I know, the Bible says the harvest is ripe. The fish are biting. But the laborers are few. So if I ain't got no laborers, I'm going to get me some nets. And if you want to be a laborer, you grab you a net. And while the fish are biting, let's cast out into the deep. Let's cast out into the deep. Because the harvest is ripe. The fish are biting. You just need some faith and a net. I see some empty chairs today. You know what that looks like? That, look like, that looks like a net to me. If they wasn't brand new, I'd open that door right there and I'd chunk that chair as hard as I could as a demonstration. But these are brand new chairs and I want to get them dirty. You know why? Because there's a fish going to sit right there in that seat. There's a fish going to be in that seat, that seat, that seat. We're going to have feet, just like we did, have, we had fish lining up, sitting on the backs. Same thing, it's going to be here. The Lord's done told me you can't build it big enough. You ain't going to never be big enough. You're always going to need more room. You're always going to need more space. We're always going to need more parking. We're always going to need more room because the fish are biting. And I believe there's a couple of hundred people in here today who said, Pastor, I, I, I'm, I got a net and I'm going to cast out my net while the fish are biting because God has called me to plunder hell and to populate heaven. We hope that you were encouraged by today's message. If you were, please feel free to share on social media, subscribe, or leave us a review. We can't wait for you to join us here again.